it's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these stupid horror movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Oh, the smell of pine trees, the glow of the lights off the ornaments, and all that buy now advertising must mean only one thing. It's Christmas time, and you know what that means? Oh, it means that we're going to be looking at one of the horror holiday classics that turns the table on the legend of Santa Claus by turning him into the spawn of Satan. This is Santa's sleigh. Wow, where do I begin with this film? Released to video, big surprise, and filmed in Canada, Santa Slay was released unto the world in December of 2005. Starring former wrestler Bill Goldberg, director David Steinman brings us this comedic yet violent take on the Santa Claus tale. With a very short running time of around 78 minutes, Santa Slay definitely has a very healthy following. So, Let's go ahead and dim those lights, we'll grab a nice warm drink, and we'll dive right into the film. Well, what's the first horror of the film that we get? Why, it's a burnt-ass turkey, and I mean this thing is totally blackened. And then we get our second horror of the film. Why, it's another than Fran Drescher 
bringing the monstrosity of the turkey to the table. I mean, come on. Why would you do that such a thing, such a wonderful and delicious bird? I mean, all you had to do was put it in a bag. You could have roasted it for a couple hours. You know, take it out on time. Don't baste it. Don't baste it. Oh, okay, I need to stop. I think I still have Thanksgiving, I mean Thanksgiving on the brain. We're then slowly introduced to the rest of the family as they all squawk and haw around the dinner table. Hey, it's Chris Kattan and James Kahn? Well, he's in an uncredited role, and why would he want to be associated with this film anyway? And there's uh, plenty other members of the family, from the wife of Chris Kattan to the two ditzy... I can't tell if they're daughters or sisters. Well... Uh, James Kahn just seems as upset at the turkey situation as I am. You know what I'm thinking, Angel? What, darling? I was thinking, dear God, don't let this bird taste like a shoe like it did last year. Let it be tender and moist just for once. Yeah, moist. That would be nice. It's called foreplay. I don't want to screw the bird. I want to eat it. I don't even think I want a moist enough Fran Drescher. <laughs> Good call, Mr. Khan. Good call. Well, in order to test the turkey, one of the ditzy girls feeds some of the burnt-ass turkey to the dog who runs away after eating it. There's also some creepy flirting between Chris Catan and Fran Dresser, to which James Khan tries to put a stop to it. Listen, you half a fag. I'll stick this fork in your eye. Why don't you beg Santa for a pair of balls? This prompts one of the ditzy girls to say grace. Dear Lord, thank you for the bountiful food that you've provided for us and that our loving family can be together this Christmas. Also, thank you for not making us poor or Samoan. Then hark, what do the angels bring? Why, it's Santa Claus, and he looks fucking pissed. Now, I don't think I can do this justice, so I do advise you to watch the four, 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 <laughs> four first minutes of this film, as it's pretty damn hilarious. So, the first thing that Santa does is grab the dog and fling it right into the fucking ceiling fan. Goes around and around and it spits it out somewhere. Then he does something we all wish we could do. Set fire to Fran Drescher. While she's roasting, he manages to kill one of the ditzy girls by causing her to faint back and she falls on a piece of wood that goes right through her throat. Chris Cathan thinks that he's hot shit and gets up to fight Santa, only to his ass thrown into a hutch, which I guess that kills him. Kind of like Kate Beckinsale being thrown into a couch in Van Helsing, but that's for another time. The wife of Chris Kattan screams that she's been good, but Santa kills her anyway. I, it it kind of looks like he shoots her in the head, but I don't know exactly what he does. And then he gets the last family member as she's trying to run away. And it, it's an absolutely funny scene. I mean, even before this, he takes the two forks and he sticks them in James Conn's hands. So James Conn has to watch everything, like everybody die around him. Uh, he also does, besides setting Fran Drescher on fire, he sticks her head in a bowl of eggnog and drowns her in the eggnog. So the last scene that we actually get from this is James Conn getting a turkey leg shoved through his mouth. And then um, I would say Santa Slade did the disappearing pencil trick first, just with a chicken egg. So after that, um, and really, if you don't plan on watching the rest of this movie, I do suggest that you watch these first four minutes because everybody looks like they're having fun and it looks like, well, actually it is. It's pretty funny and pretty imaginative. So after this, the title credits begin. And it's interesting to note that it's mostly just a bunch of in images of Santa and then like an angel and some other things uh, with some weird like gibberish written on the sides of the images. 
Now, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be like a specific language or they just put pardon me, uh, letters together to make it look like it's something interesting. And it kind of just looks like consonants altogether. But I could be totally wrong and it could be a real language that I just can't read. So as the images go by, Santa slowly starts as kind of like a happy person with joy and everything and then becomes more and more insane. I guess all that Christmas cheer and music is enough to make even Santa go crazy. After the title credits, it's 2005, and it's currently Christmas Eve in the Township of Hell. Hmm, that isn't any type of, like, foreboding message or anything, is it? We then close on a sandwich shop where we meet the lovely little woman and our main character. What the hell is in the holiday hoagie? Turkey, cranberry, stuffing, and mayo. What? Slow down! And stop smacking on that damn chewing gum. Yeah. Uh, turkey, raisinets, Cheerios, cranberries, gummy bears, Altoids. Oh, you're being cute, you little shit. Well, that's our main character, Nick. And then there's just some random old lady that's ordering crap. And what a bitch that lady is. I understand that he's a little bit of a wise ass, but what's with this lady? What type of horrible life has she lived that she can just talk to a server like that? Of course, this shop is owned by a Jewish guy because of the menorah on the wall and how stereotypically Jewish the owner looks like. The lady ultimately gets a roast beef sandwich and haggles the owner down from $4.50 instead of the four seventy-five that it actually costs. As she leaves, the owner of the shop wishes her a happy holiday, and she responds. And uh, have a very happy holiday there, Mrs. Tell. Don't use that political language shit with me. It's Christmas. Wish me Merry Christmas. I'm sorry. Merry Christmas, Mrs. Talbot. Thank you, and go fuck yourself. Oh no, not one of these assholes. Who the fuck cares? It's just a word. I hope she gets what's coming to her soon. Well, we then cut off to the lady driving on her way home, and of course she can't drive with a rat's ass. She's swerving all the roads, smoking, and barely can see over the wheel. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be funny, as it's just really kind of a stupid stereotype. Then, hark, what's that sound? I hear bells jingling, and that can only mean one thing. It's Santa being pulled in his sleigh by his buffalo? Kind of looks like a mix between Paul Bunyan's bull and a standard buffalo. Well, Santa pulls up behind the old lady and gets frustrated when she won't hurry up. Then Santa just plows right into the old lady and sends her ass flying. I mean, she was going kind of at the speed of slow before he rammed her, and then all of a sudden she's going like 90 miles per hour and flies off a snowbank, causing her car to explode into flames at the side of the road. I know I wish something bad would happen to her, but I didn't really want her to die like that. Maybe just, you know, like hung up on a tree or get a huge wedgie with her granny panties, not explode into a bile fire. Well, easy come, easy go. Back in the shop, the owner Nick uh, is giving Nick and his co-worker Mary, or Mac as she's known for the rest of this movie, uh, some gifts for Christmas. From the look of it, it seems like he's giving them packages of meat. Free meat? Fuck yeah. Hope they get some thin sliced pastrami and maybe some fresh Gouda to go along with it. Mmm, Gouda. Fuck, damn it. kind of want a sandwich now. Oh, wait, it's not meat. She gets a snow globe, and he gets a clock? Oh, it's a world clock. So, of course, it's a good gift. Not like that will have any significance to the story at all. At least Nick is nice about receiving the gift, so he's not an asshole, right? 
Mac offers Nick a ride home, and I think I can sense some sexual tension there already. Though I need to be careful, as he's supposedly both 16, though kind of look like they're in their 20s. After getting into the truck, Mac then turns on what could possibly be the worst rap song Christmas I have ever heard. One for the kids who like to get toys Two for the ones who like to make noise Three for Santa cause he rolls with elves And if you feel a mild flavor just rock the bells First, what station plays that kind of crap? I mean, I know there are a lot of stations that go and play Christmas music all the damn day long when it turns into December But they would never play this garbage eh, At least it's better than that ludicrous Christmas song for Fred Claus Nick looks bummed And Mac asks him, why doesn't he like Christmas? You don't care too much for Christmas, do you? Never had much reason to. Why? I don't know, it's always disappointing. Like, I'd want an Optimus Prime or a Castle Grayskull, and I'd always end up with a stupid mini-bake oven or something. I would hate it too if my local town played that holiday crap, but you don't dare talk shit about the Easy Bake Oven. Santa brought me one, you lucky son of a bitch. Well, there's some more pun about it being freezing in hell, because, get it? The town is called hell? Eh? Eh? Goo? Well, Mac drops off Nick, and in order for him to get it into his and his grandpa's house, uh, he needs to open, like, 15 locks. I guess that grandpa is as weird as the people say. We get a fully stocked product placement fridge with, when all of a sudden the lights go out. The only kind of creepy part in the movie, in terms of scares, happens when Nick tries to turn on the power. Uh, you know, he goes down to the basement, it's nice and creepy and dark, and then Grandpa out of the middle of nowhere scares him, and it's a decent jump scare because of the popping light bulbs, but it's really not that scary. Maybe if I was in like a theater, or I was really deathly afraid of light bulbs, it might work. Of course, it scares Nick. What in the hell are you doing? Why didn't you answer me? Don't be throwing the word hell around all willy-nilly like that. I live in hell, for Christ's sakes. True. That's why you dare not use the Lord's name so indiscriminately. So not only is he crazy, he's extremely religious? I can say hell if I want to, Grandpa. Not H-E double hockey sticks. Well, there's a scene where Grandpa shows off a nutcracker, then shoots something out of it with wacky sound effects. You know, those ping, 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 you know, jumping off everywhere. Well, I guess it's Grandpa's new invention that Nick's not very hot, uh, hot on. But there appears to be a design flaw that needs to be worked out. File that next to brown-colored toilet paper. It's a bad idea. What? Brown-colored toilet paper? I'm pretty sure, unless it was, like, shit brown, you'd be able to wipe your ass and see the shit on it, if that's actually the reason why he's kind of upset about it. Grandpa has also built this nice little fallout shelter downstairs that Nick isn't too sure about either. At least Grandpa has a solid reason to having it built. Whatever think whatever they want to, this is about survival. I know what they say. I've been hearing it most of my life. But I'd rather be crazy and alive than ignorant and dead. We then cut to some dude trying to rob Santa as he's walking down the street. Bad idea, dude. Don't you know what could happen to you? Well, of course, Santa kills the guy and then takes out the trash by throwing him into a trash can. Yeah! Wrestling! <laughs> Back in Grandpa's house, we find out that Grandpa hates Santa for some reason and then manages to make a fart joke. Well, at least I know this movie is for the highbrow people, right? Nick wants to know why his grandfather is so weird on Christmas, so he begins to tell the tale of Santa Claus using the Necro Christ- Christmas Con or the Book of Santa. 
In the history of man, there have been only two immaculate conceptions. The first being God and the Virgin Mary and the birth of their son, Jesus. The second was Satan with the Virgin Erica and the birth of their son, Santa. On the anniversary of his birth, there were always a great number of unexplained deaths and murders. This day became known as the Dog of Mord or the Day of Slaying. Eventually, Christianity spread, and when the Dog of Mord arrived, the townspeople would have a Mass of Christ, or a Christ Mass, where they would pray to their Lord for protection. In the beginning of the 11th century, one of God's angels took the form of a man. What the hell? Who would interrupt this story? Oh, it's just Mac. Bring her over some dead Wolverine. Logan, no! I guess it's for them to eat. God, that looks like shit. Who the hell eats wild wolverine? I'm sure the bones would ruin your teeth, and what if he regenerates in your stomach? Think before you serve. Mac also has a gift for Nick, but he's more of a dick to her than to the owner of the shop. You got me a gun? I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but what are you fucking retarded? This turns out that she actually bought him the worst Transformer in the history of knockoff Transformers. Hell, he looks like Jesus on the cross transformer. It's the thought that counts, right, Nick? I'm as happy as a make-a-wish kid. Not sure I would have gone that far, Nick. We cut away to a church with Santa flying high above where we're introduced to the pastor. There are some people believe in the spirit of Christmas. Oh, no, they don't. There are some people who don't believe Christmas should exist at all. That it's become too commercial. Yes, they there are some people who don't believe in the spirit of Christmas giving. No, no, they don't. And there are even some people who think that charity is for the lazy. Oh, my friends, charity is not for the lazy. Charity is for the needy. Dig deep into your hearts and deep into your pockets. Give them your money and don't give them coins. I see a lot of coins in that place. Give them bills. Give the needy bills. Show them that you have the true spirit of Christmas in your hearts, and that you're ready to show it. Let us pray. Oh, of course, the money-grubbing pastor stereotype. How could I forget? What is he going to use the money for, anyway? Oh, yeah, baby, yeah! Nice tits! A titty bar? I guess there could be worse things that people's money could be used on than a nice pair of boobs. Though, wouldn't it be better just to use it on, like, a hooker? At least then you get some, rather than just being teased all night long. Also, the name of this place, this titty bar that he goes to after the sermon, is called Gold Diggers. I'm not sure that it would be worth the money or anyone else's to go there, right? Well, shortly after the pastor shows up at the titty bar, guess who decides he wants some boobs grinded on him? Why, it's good old St. Nick, the valet. A valet in such a small town for a titty bar? How many people go to this place? Well, he gets on the sleigh, and it whisks him away to the parking lot, meaning that he doesn't really get to park anything. The buffalo just kind of bolts over the parking lot. The bouncer tries to stop Santa from coming in, but Santa don't play that. Where do you think you're going, fat boy? I thought I'd stuff some stockings. I don't think so. After he's off the bouncer with a wreath in the ass, we follow Santa inside the nicest hick titty bar I think I've ever seen. It's like a total, like, cabin. Like, you go inside, and it's really well lit. There's a nice bar in the back. It's all nice and wood. 
uh, you know, it's a total cabin in the middle woods type of vibe. Not that cabin in the woods. A nice cabin in the woods. The music here is also pretty cheesy with weird uh, lyrics like going down, down, down to pussy town. I wonder if that's somewhere adjacent to Hell Township. I mean, I'd be willing to go to hell if I could stop by Pussytown on the way there. I have to admit, there are some nice boob shots in this little segment, and Santa, he definitely knows what's up. He grabs one of the ladies and gives her a big long kiss, which prompts a bouncer to try and kick Santa's ass. This, of course, doesn't work out for him, as he's pushed back and he runs into the bartender's knife that he was brandishing earlier in the scene. I guess people do accidentally run into knives to kill themselves, so I won't chalk this death up to Santa. The pastor sees and hears the chaos coming, and he flees from the establishment, taking most of the money he was giving the strippers with him. Santa at this point is looking for a fight, and the bartender, along with some random dude in the bar, decides to go and attack him. Santa goes to grab the stripper pole to use as a weapon, but first, he makes sure he cleans it as one of the strippers slides down it to run away. He gets out a nice little, like, you know, spray, uh, and wipe, 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 wipe. Ah, time to attack. (laughs) So, uh, he goes all monk staff fighting with the two, uh, and killing the bartender with a pike in the head, you know, one of those mining pikes, and then shocking the other dude with a stripper pole through a lamp in the ceiling. So, he hands the guy the pole, then shoves it directly into the electricity. Now... This is the worst CGI I think I've ever seen in a death scene. I know it's a direct-to-DVD movie and it's from 2005, but the effects in Shark Boy and Lava Girl have are better than this. I mean, even when he's lying dead, there's some sort of crappy overlay of a burnt skeleton over his perfectly fine body that you can clearly fucking see. I mean, they're not even trying to hide it. So after all this fighting is done... Santa then blows on a piece of coal to light it up, and then he sets that son of a bitch on fire. Now, I want to believe that if Santa was truly evil, he wouldn't have killed the strippers or burnt down the strip club. This makes it totally unbelievable that he's the spawn of Satan. Aren't strippers a perfect example of lust? Wouldn't it make more sense to keep them alive and use them than just burn it to the ground? Just some food for thought. Never waste a titty. He goes outside, and the buffalo pulls up and burts out the valet's hat. Ha ha ha. At least it got a meal before it left, and now they're out to go cause more mayhem. Now we're back in Grandpa's place, and Mac, Nick, and Grandpa are watching a Christmas Eve destruction derby. No holiday specials. No elf on the shelf. No Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Just wholesome holiday car destruction. That is my type of Christmas night. Well, I should say Christmas Eve night. Grandpa leaves and Nick asks Mac what she thinks of his grandfather. She says that he's nice, but a little weird, and then uh, Nick, he flips out. You think he's bananas, don't you? No. Bananas? A little odd, but not bananas. A little odd? You want to talk about a little odd? Odd is being a member of the Rifle of the Month Club. Odd is when all the available wall space in your house is covered with the head of an endangered or extinct animal. Odd is someone's father, I know. Man, this kid is a whiny little bitch. He asks his grandpa is weird. She says yes, and then he gets upset. He's like one of those women who posts about how ugly she is on Facebook in order to get these compliments. And then when it backfires, they do nothing but get upset and bitch. Well, she gets upset, rightfully so. 
and leaves. And it tells him that when he's ready for a real relationship, to call her. Wait, they're dating? I thought they were just friends. Fuck, I'm really missing all the signs here. I mean, I noticed the sexual tension, but I thought that was going to happen later on in the movie. Not, oh, we're already dating. So Nick sulks and goes back to the couch. He sees Grandpa's Christmas con. Man, I made the hardest made-up word ever. Christmas <laughs> con. And begins to read the book, putting his Norse knowledge to use. Wait, I'm now just realizing that we only got a part of Santa's origin story almost like ten minutes ago. And now we're finally finishing the story? Well, Nick gives us some more info. But make sure you do it in a more stop-motion type of manner, won't you? Hearing their calls, God sent down one of his angel generals from the heavens. The angel took the form of an old man. He encountered the young, ill-tempered Santa not far from his home. Santa was ice fishing with the ordinary little people, the elves on a frozen lake. Knowing the son of Satan was a gambling sword, the angel challenged him to a contest. The contest was a simple one. Who could slide a rock across the lake and land it closest to the ice fishing hole without the rock falling in? If Santa won the contest, he would deliver the confident old man to his father for an eternity of pain and suffering. If the old man won the contest, Santa would not only have to cease the day of slains for the next thousand years, but would also have to turn the dag of Mord, day of slains, into a dag of glee, day of joy. Santa thought this was as close to a show wager as could be. There was no way a mere mortal was going to be able to defeat him in anything. Fucking curling! Are you kidding me? They're going to do some curling to determine the fate of Christmas? I, I'm sorry I interrupted. Please continue. Santa was so sure of himself that he went first. His rock landed as close as it could possibly be to the hole without going in it. Next was the old man's turn. The old man's rock skipped slowly along. And it came to rest, touching Santa's rock with just enough momentum to push Santa's stone over into the hole. The old man had won. So let me get this straight. The angel turned old man, wonder who that could be, beat Santa, Satan's son, in a game of curling, and then he had to become the Santa that we know today? Shit. That was exactly 1,000 years ago. The bet's over. So the 1,000 years has ended, and that's why Santa's being a complete dick? Nick goes straight to the search engine, Hooya. Not good enough to be sponsored by Yahoo, huh, guys? And then he looks up a Santa tracker to find where he's at. The live chat burns Nick by telling him that his parents need to have the Santa talk with him and decides that uh, Nick decides that he's going to just go to sleep. Cut to Christmas Day and we've got a lovely family scene. Can't wait to see the shit we got. Can we open our motherfucking presents now? Of course. That kind of potty mouth is going to get your heads... Oh shit! Santa just blew off their heads with their presents. Um... I should just shut my mouth about that stuff from now on. Yeah. So we also go back to the church where the pastor is asking for prayers from some of the dumbest dripper pum names I've heard in a long time. 
So pray with me, if you will, for the salvation of Crystal Candy, Tierra Rain, Dixie Wrecked, Tess Tickler. Uh, um, Dixie Wrecked is probably my favorite one out of all of those. Back on the streets, Santa is making his around, way around hell and comes by the sandwich shop. Oh no, not the Jewish guy. He doesn't even believe in Christmas. You could at least let him be, right? Well, Santa wants to come in, but the shop guy doesn't want to as he says his clothes. He even points across the street to the Chinese restaurant, ha 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 ha, uh, that he can get some food there. So what does Santa do? Why, just go on his merry way. Hell no. He slams his hand through the window and changes the sign from closed to open and walks right in the store. That'll show him. Fight as he might, it doesn't stop Santa from diving through the meat case and stabbing the menorah through the owner, hanging him from the wall by his neck. Santa wants his beef, motherfucker. Oh, wait. He just wanted some potato salad. Well, then we get one of the most random cameos in the entire movie. Now, James Caan is a little random. You know, even though everybody in the beginning is a little random. Fran Drescher, Chris Catan, they're not a part of the main story. But... All of a sudden, when Nick goes and stops by a gas station, who's there? Why, it's Debo, bitches! Well, actor Tommy Listener, but if you don't know who Debo is, please educate yourself. So Debo runs the gas station, and after making a transaction with him, Nick is a little, well, here. You know, for such a small town, I've never seen you before. Just moved here, homeboy. Too much damn violence in the hood. Uh, In the background, over the radio, Nick hears that the sandwich place has been attacked, and he rushes to see what's happened. Of course, he leaves by his change, and Debo gets a big fucking smile on his face, because why not? Let's just have more stereotypes in this movie. Well, he arrives to see that the owner has been stuck to the wall with the menorah, and tries to get him down with no use. Suddenly, the owner opens his eyes, says that Santa is real, and he's the one that did this, and finally dies. Some cops show up and have a bunch of Jewish stereotypes about the stereotypical like conversation about the Hasidic Jews outside and as well as the owner. The police are so oblivious to what's going on. It's like, hey, what's going on here? Oh, it's just a deli. Want some meat? Maybe a nice sandwich? Don't mind the dead body hanging on the wall or anything. Hey, that boy should be taking the police station too. And we can take those Hasidic Jews outside with him. They all load up into their police car uh, that happens to have the saying, crime doesn't stand a chance in hell on the side of the police car. (sighs) I don't know how many more of these puns I can take, guys. Now down at this police station, we meet Captain Cock. C-A-U-L-K. Not that cock, you sickos. Nick tries to prove that he's not crazy by acting crazy with Captain Cock. We got an eyewitness account that a man dressed as Santa Claus was seen leaving the store about the same time you said you arrived. Captain, this might be something that predates all of us. Santa Claus is not a myth or a legend. He's real, only he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore. Son, are you saying Santa is offing everyone who's naughty and nice? That's exactly what I'm saying, Captain. Of course he's not going to believe you keep talking like that. Who the hell thinks that there's going to be like a killer Santa running around? Nick races out of there while some cops are wondering if the killing map looks like a Christmas tree, which, of course, it does. And if you've never seen one of those maps, that's when they have, you know, the little flags in it that show where people have killed before. 
Then we go back into Cox's office, and there's a knock at the door. Hey, Santa, what are you doing? Oh, shit. He's here to kick ass and chew on some cookies, and he's all out of fucking cookies. So, to kill the captain, he takes a taser, and he tases the captain's dick. And he shocks him to death. That's two electrocutions in this movie, everybody. Leaving the station, it shows that Santa has killed every cop in there. Man, they couldn't even show some fight in them. It kind of sucks. Then cuts to Mac and Nick talking her dad's truck. As suddenly in the distance, who should appear? None other than... Oh shit, it's Wayne Brady, son! No, it's fucking Santa Claus. Well, there's a chase scene here, and Nick manages to shoot Santa off the truck with Mac's father's shotgun. I mean, who really keeps a shotgun bolts ready in their truck? I know he's a hunter, but... Oh, never mind. With Santa now stuck on the road until a sleigh comes and gets him, the two run back to Grandpa's house. They go down in the bunker until some carolers arrive outside the house. Like an idiot who won't just stay inside the safe house bit, uh, hiding... Mac has to go upstairs and tell the carolers to re- leave. Of course, again, who shows up? It's Santa to show all these carolers who the fuck the boss is with those sweet wrestling moves. The pair run back into the bunker only to have Nick freak out on what they're going to do. Of course, Grandpa has a plan. What are we going to do? Mary, be it here and fetch me that can of Tanactin there. Oh, genius. We'll use some tough acting tenactin on Santa. What are the chances of calming Claus down when we cure him of his athlete's foot? Barry, please. Okay, you're crazy again. Got all this kid dud his fucking bitch about everything. Show some fucking balls, Nick. Do something other than whining all the time. I understand that Santa is strong as hell, but, I mean, Grandpa is pretty damn smart, and you should listen to him. Well, they manage to get out of the garage where Grandpa has two... Uh, out to the garage, I should say, where Grandpa has two snowmobiles ready so that they can get the fuck out of there. Of course, Mac's vehicle won't start, and that's when Santa shows up and catches up with Grandpa. You've really let yourself go, haven't you? What are you packing around there? Next to two pills, I bet. <laughs> Mrs. Claus, she's one hell of a cook. <laughs> Not much of a hairdresser, though. Oh, I've waited a long time for this day. Not half as long as I have. Unfortunately, your time is about to expire. So you're done spreading joy and warming the hearts of children everywhere. I hate children. For centuries, I've received millions of their letters. And now, I'm free to hunt down every last one of those brats. Such a long time and nothing learned. Enough! There's only one thing that can make this dag have more complete. So after that bit of chatter, all of a sudden out of the middle of nowhere, the buffalo comes over and runs over Grandpa. Oh, Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Shit, it's a reindeer? It looks like a fucking buffalo. And Santa, you ruined my chance at a stupid joke. Fuck you for ruining my moment at a perfect dumb joke. This also starts another chase scene where there's a really, really cheery Christmas music. I can give, here, I'm going to give you a quick example of what type of cheery music always happens during any type of fight scene or any type of chase scene. See, that's what we get every time that there's some type of freaking 
chasing, fight scene, anything. It's all over the place whenever Santa is killing or chasing people. So Santa starts throwing present bombs at the kids in the snowmobile when they decide that going into the forest is the best place to hide from Santa. Which would be fine, of course, if they just didn't go down the fucking open path. Okay, let's go into the forest, but instead of going between the trees and maybe do a little bit of dodging, how about we just follow the path that has no trees on it and has a perfect aim fucking line of sight to throw shit at us? Still, Santa has the aim of a stormtrooper with the eyesight of Dory and can't seem to hit them if the, even if they're in the open or they're between a path of trees. Now, I have to hand it to Nick as he has some driving skills, but Santa can fly and has jets on his sleigh. So what does he... <laughs> so why does he even really need the hell deer yes it's not just a reindeer it's a hell deer santa catches up but max socks the hell deer in the face which causes santa to slow down well how does that work you have jets on your fucking sleigh never mind so the kids make it to the middle of hell and try to warn the people that santa is coming to kill them all of course the pastor and his crew ignore them but then santa comes and sets the big christmas tree in the middle of the square on fire he picks up the pastor and delivers one of the cheesiest puns in the entire movie. What in God's name are you doing? Why, I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. He knocks out the pastor and continues to chase the kids with him inside the sleigh. At this point, Mac and Nick are at the local high school and they're wondering what they're going to do next. What do we do now? We make ourselves scarce and we hope and we pray that the 12 Days of Christmas song is bullshit. Fucking A, Nick. Grow some goddamn balls. I'm sick and tired of you being a puss. Well, he plans to break in through one of the windows, but he can't punch through it. He wraps his hand in his sweater and tries to punch it. She, of course, says, oh, why don't you find something else to go through and do it? So he's, while he's looking around to break the window with something that's around there, Mac ends up using her helmet to break open the window, to which, of course, Nick gets fucking upset because the alarm was set off. Now, what fucking bullshit? He's just mad that she was able to break it and he wasn't because he's a goddamn whiny little shit. I mean, this was his plan too, right? His plan was to break open the window. What would have happened if he broke open the window? The fucking alarm went off. So instead, the girl has to go over there and break the fucking window. And when she does, the alarm fucking goes off and he gets fucking pissed because the alarm went off. <sighs> breathe, just breathe, just breathe. So in his pack, Mac also finds that Grandpa has left the nutcracker nutcracker with nick with a tag that states the only worthwhile gift is a practical one santa then pops up outside and you know at this point he ain't taking no shit no more because he's down to his undershirt and his red suspenders yes he's wearing his pants too don't worry santa ain't going a hundred percent hick back to nick and mac as they start to talk about how to stop santa i don't think he's unstoppable you saw what happened on the truck when i shot him we have two choices defense or offense. We can be defensive and try and distract him until his midnight when he's powerless, or we can go on the offense and lead him back towards those ski shooters and finally put an end to Christmas. Well, holy hell, finally he's got some balls. But oh no, who shows up? Of course, Santa scares them with what I thought was like a lightsaber candy cane, but it turned out that it's more just like a glow stick candy cane. Uh, and it kind of upset me because I really was hoping for a light stick or like a lightsaber type battle. Maybe he chops off Nick's leg or something like that. would have been cool. Well, anyway, so they run away, and like Bowser, Santa starts spitting fireballs at them. 
It's at this point that Nick becomes himself once again. So they dive into the library and manage to get away. Santa was right behind them and they managed to escape. Santa must be slow as shit. And of course, again, Mac makes a sound which allows Santa's super hearing skills to find them in the library. I don't get it. Throughout most of this movie, Mac does some really good things. Like, she's able to do some some quick things. But every time there's a fuck-up, there's something that doesn't work right, or there's something that doesn't make any sense, she's the one that's doing it. Yet he's, you know, constantly the whiny bitch. <sighs> well, Santa uses an ornament smoke bomb, and he flushes the kids out of the library into the hockey rink. But not before Santa hits Nick in the face with a book. Wait, a hockey rink? In a high school? Now, I know I'm just a Californian boy, but what school has the money for a hockey rink? I know that this was shot in Canada, but is hell actually in Canada? I mean, it wouldn't make sense for them to have a hockey rink in the school. Does that mean we're going to get more curling, too? Oh, I sure hope so. Now, being hunted by Santa, these kids have a heartwarming moment. I still can't believe that we're being hunted by Santa of all effing people. We're going to get through this. We'll be home safe soon. I just realized that I have no one. I'm so sorry, Nicholas. You have me. Besides, I know your grandfather will always be looking after you. But whatever happens, I'm glad that I'm with you. It's at this moment that Santa comes out on a Zamboni with even more puns. And I swear all of his lines are puns in this movie. And Nick holds a life to Santa's face, which produces my favorite line in this entire movie. I'm Santa Claus, not fucking Dracula! Now, right before the Zamboni is about to run them over, it suddenly stops. What could stop a big machine like that? Maybe there's some sort of, like, mighty strength pulling it back. No, it's a fucking curling stone. Fucking curling saves the day again! Oh, Grandpa shows up and reveals himself to being now an angel. I guess he's back to being an angel now. Uh, and he tries to get Santa to beat him once again. Or to bet him, not necessarily to beat him. He's already killed him once, right? This time, the stakes are even higher than before. If I win, there's no more day of slayings. It's back to being good once and for all. How about it? When you lose... You will enter that hellhole. Your soul will be enslaved for all of eternity. How about that? And of course, you know, he wonders why Krampa moved to hell. Sorry, I couldn't have made your death a more painful one. How did you know I'd find you? You said you'd go to hell and back to find me once the bet was over. So I moved to Hell Township. And Santa was actually able to track down Grandpa because of Nick's letters to Santa for toys, especially the Easy Bake. Yay, callback jokes. So the question then becomes, can Grandpa still curl the way he did to beat Santa years and years ago? Well, thousands of years ago. So he goes and he throws first. And yes, he's still able to curl. All right, so he gets it right up next to the edge of the little hell hole. Santa goes to do his throw, and what? Santa cheats, grabs Grandpa, and curls him into the hole directly into hell. Then, all of a sudden, Santa, Santa starts approaching the kids. Nick's clock goes off. Uh, see? Foreshadowing. 
revealing that it's midnight at the North Pole. Christmas is over for Santa, and his powers are gone, or so we say, or so we think. You know, most people make the same mistake. The correct time at the pole is completely discretionary, because the poles are where all the time zones actually converge. He's scary yet educational. So, what I'm saying, nitwits, is that Christmas is over when I say it's over. Nick remembers the nutcracker and shoots a chestnut out at Santa to block the fireball he shoots at them. And then it lodges that chestnut in his chest. Get it? (laughs) Chestnut. It looks like it kills Santa, but he's able to get up and get on the Zamboni and then get the fuck out of there. The kids get Grandpa out of the hole and begin to chase Santa with him. Yet, Grandpa can't go any further, and Nick doesn't think he can do it without him. I don't recall raising a Sally. Yes, you did. He's nothing but a whiny Sally, Grandpa. All he does is bitch, bitch, bitch. Now it's time to kill or stop Santa, so they go back to the group of skeet shooters slash hunters that they almost ran over with the snowmobile while trying to get away from Santa. We meet a Native American who talks to with one of those, like, throat things and convinces them that they're going to bag a bird deer. Nick makes a call for the hell deer, and then all the hunters begin shooting, before, but not before making a reindeer pun. You're going down the gun nuts unload onto the sleigh, but it's ultimately Mac's dad who fires a bazooka at the sleigh and blows up the hell deer. Guts and pieces of the hell deer rain down on everyone, and they find that the pastor has now flown off the sleigh and he's impaled on the flag of the school. They all believe that the killer Santa was the pastor, which m- makes no sense as he doesn't look anything that like the Santa that's been terrorizing the town. Also, you can see the hell deer completely whole on somebody's truck. What the hell? That thing like rained down guts and blood, and yet it's perfectly fine uh and it's perfectly put together for somebody to take back with him as a trophy well after you know questioning everybody mac asks nick why didn't he say anything about who santa really was why didn't you say anything christmas is over santa's gone why should they live in fear he's still out there i think my saga is just beginning so they flirt some more, they kiss, and it fades to an airport. Now we're at the North Pole Air, you know, Pole, Air, North Pole, get it? Making a fun pun again. Well, we're at the North Pole Air counter, and Biker Santa is making his flight to the North Pole. The film begins the end, but at least it starts to end on a high note. Has your sack been out of your sight at all? And we're left to wonder, will Santa be back? Santa walks away from the counter, sits between two elderly women, and the screen then goes the credits. And that is Santa's sleigh. Now this movie is pretty fun, 
Though, like other films, it has really glaring holes in continuity. I mean, from the buffalo, deer, hell deer thing being completely whole, to the fact that you can smell who Grandpa is from miles and miles and miles away, uh, to the fact that everything is a pun for Goldberg, and everything that holds them back from doing anything is basically Mac. You know, and it's definitely more of a comedy than a horror movie, though the deaths are pretty often and can be pretty creative. The opening scene of this movie is a blast, and the actors that did it look like they were having fun doing it. The weapons that Santa uses are also pretty creative, and it's got a good running time for this type of film. 78 minutes is not very long to sit through. The credit scroll at the end even has each person in the credit scroll marked as either naughty or nice, which is kind of funny and kind of neat the only complaint that i really have well the only two complaints i should say i really have in this is that goldberg santa is only really given puns to spit out his lines i know he's a wrestler and i know he knows how to spout lines given to him you just give him some more dialogue also the stuff with mac it's a little cheesy that again everything that happens bad you know or that causes them to be caught or anything like that it's mac's fault for some way, shape, or form, or something that she does. And I guess if I have to give a third one, is that our lead protagonist is a whiny little fuck. Uh, I just really can't stand him that much. But, you know, though, you know, overall, I would say that it's worth it enough just to watch Goldberg, because as an evil Santa, I think he's great. Overall, I give this uh, movie a crap factor of 3 out of 5, the fun factor is a 4 out of 5, and the gore is really a 2 out of 5. If you need to use CGI to do your gore, I don't think you should really do those scenes. So my final score for this movie is 4 hell deers out of 5. There aren't many Christmas horror movies worth watching, and as cheesy as this one is, I definitely recommend watching it. You just need to put your brain in a jar before watching it, as it... If it starts to work during the film, you'll get upset by the weak leads in the two kids. Nick's just way too whiny, but luckily there's enough of Santa to make the film worthwhile. And you know what? I actually really enjoy the way that the grandpa is portrayed. There's even something at the end of the credits if you decide to wait that long. Well, for next week of our Christmas month, uh, listener Crystal has suggested the following film for review. Christmas. Christmas. Most magical time of year. Now tell me and you will find the perfect Christmas tree. It's Christmas. Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition. Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight going off without a hit. But in Bailey Downs this Christmas, it's different. Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime. Still want to go down there just for some stupid school assignment? I guess the only door in the school. This is Krampus, right? What's a Krampus? He's like an anti Santa Claus, a demon who punishes the naughty. He whips them and chains them up, stuff like that. That's fine. It's the elves. I fear they may all become infected. How did it all come to this? Down here, and there's a psychopath on the loose. 
Bring the changing back to the forest. That ain't your son. Did you not see what he did? The atmosphere here in Billy Downs is truly in this holiday season. That's right. It's a Christmas horror story, and this was produced in 2015, and right now it's a direct-to-DVD movie. I believe that you can actually find it on Amazon Instant, or you can pick it up through Netflix. Not through their instant streaming, but you'd actually have to order the DVD. Uh, as well as, I believe you can get it on iTunes if you just want to rent it or buy it. Uh, you might also be able to find it on your favorite uh, video devices um, on your consoles. You might be able to find the PS4, the Xbox, Marketplaces. Um, it is an anthology, which is a little weird, so it's going to be uh, kind of a differently spreaded podcast. So each one's going to get its own little segment, uh, and we'll see what happens uh, next week. But I'm definitely interested, especially when there's Santa Claus fighting zombie elves. I believe there was a scene of Santa Claus fighting Krampus, and uh, William Shatner's in it, and he sounds as cheesy as ever. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Um, and I hope that you all can see it before we do the podcast next week. Also, there might be something special that I might do, and it all depends on if I have time and if I'm able to actually see the movie. Um, there may be a special extra episode. Either uh, I might do like a YouTube video for it uh, as just a respect, uh, kind of a first impression. Uh, or I might just release an episode, but it wouldn't be full-fledged like these are. It's going to be more of like a, uh, a, re- a reflective, this is just stream of thought going from what's going on, uh, from what I remember. So and uh, if that happens, of course, check. you can uh, always check out the Twitter, which is at T underscore T underscore podcast. Uh, you can always email your movie ideas, just like Crystal did, over to terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact me directly on my Twitter. It's at Toolbert, T-0-0-L-B-E-R-T. Also check out the Facebook page uh, where we're trying to expand it. Right now there is one like, uh, and I would definitely love more people to come out and check out the Facebook page. And that specific one may be a Facebook-only video, too, uh, just to get some people come over and see what people think uh, about that movie as well. And also, if you want something that's a little different, that's not quite like this podcast and just two dudes kind of chatting it out, you can always listen to it be like that with my co-host Patrick. And that comes out every other week that this podcast comes out. Uh, right now, during the football season, of course, we release a pick during the normal weeks. Uh, but when we start getting away from football, then that's every other week. So you get a Terrible Terror podcast episode, then you get a Need Be Like That, then you get a Terrible Terror, and then you get a Need Be Like That. So, uh, next episode, we'll be covering a Christmas horror story. Uh, So, I really thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Later, guys.